Welcome to the first episode of Canadian Crime Chicks. This podcast is intended for mature audiences. This episode features descriptions of sexual assault, domestic violence, explicit language, murder, cannibalism, and defecation in shoes. If you are not offended or disturbed by any of these topics, you are ready for Canadian Crime Chicks. Hi everyone, welcome to Canadian Crime Chicks. I'm Brittany, and now let's get high and talk about some crime. My name's Amber, Brittany and I work together. We decided about a week ago that we were going to put together a podcast. I've wanted to do a podcast for a really long time. The girls at work told us that we should do it, so we figured, why the heck not? What else are we going to do? You know, it's the pandemic. <laughs> can't right. do, can't do much of better to do. Exactly. Also, it's winter, so there's nothing to do anyway. Let's get the party started. So we are doing our first podcast tonight. Yay! Ooh, yes, I'm so excited. Tonight we... Before we start, I want to tell you the funniest thing that I see today. Yeah, tell me. Uh, so I was driving home from Ballspark, and I like to look around when I drive, and I just happen to look down an alleyway, and I just seen some guy taking a massive shit. Okay, so I'll tell you my funny shit story, okay? <laughs> I used to work at a bank. And outside of the bank was this, like, big, fucking, huge dumpster. And there was this homeless couple that used to sleep behind this dumpster all the time. Okay? And so, one morning, I watched, I saw him take a shit. No word of a lie. He took off her shoe, took off her sock, wiped his butt, looked around, put the sock back on her, put the shoe back on her, and went back to sleep. And, uh, are you serious 100 right i was like it was like a train wreck i couldn't stop watching i was like what is happening <laughs> but it's funny it's like in those moments like you know you should look away but you also want to know like what is going in, like what is going on with them right now <laughs> like what is this person thinking what are they what are they doing like why would they why would they do this what is going on inside their head Ooh, right <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Anyways, let's get the party started. So today we're going to do our first podcast. And the subject of our podcast tonight is Catherine Knight. So Brittany, why did we choose Catherine Knight? Because she's the definition of a freaking psychopath. So she literally skinned her husband and hung his flesh on butcher her books and tried to isn't that insanity like it's bonkers so you know i kind of wanted to like learn a little bit of background about her like why why this girl so crazy town you know why why is she so crazy you know what's going on and so i read a little bit about her childhood um you know and i read a little bit about what she was like and and you know how she grew up and it sounds like she didn't have a great childhood Like, did you kind of read a little bit about that at all or find anything about that? Yeah, like, she Mm -hmm. was sexually assaulted, like, by her family members. Um, Surprisingly, not by her uncle. Yeah, it it wasn't her dad. It was, like, other male family members, okay? Yeah, which I thought was, like, kind of weird. I was like, oh, so he raped her mom. Yeah, like, it it was kind of weird, like that whole thing and I was reading that she was really close with her uncle and kind of what kick-started her whole like mental instabilities stuff was when her uncle died by suicide he 
he died by suicide and he's apparently very successful, took great care of her, bought her presents, was really nice to her. And she maintained that his ghost visited her and she was like convinced that he visited her from beyond the grave for years. Like that's just insane. well, she still can like says that to this day that and like continues to visit her. Really? You you really think that that's the thing? You know, you know, it's weird. Like, and and you know, psychiatrists have visited her, psychologists have visited her, all kinds of people have had you know interactions with her, and they she swears she swears this more than she swears anything else is true in her life is that this person visited visits her still in prison. It's it's wild. Yeah, she's just a wild character. So let's talk about a little bit of about her upbringing and everything. Mm-hmm. And so Barbara Rohan was her mother. So she had married Jack Rowan in a small t- the small town of Aberdeen, New South Wales, Hunter Valley. They had four sons together before Barb actually began an affair with Ken Knight, which was a friend and co-worker of her husband, Jack. So both families were very well known in conservative town and the affair caused like the biggest scandal ever. Yeah, I read that. And of course, like, you know, you get those like super Christian, super conservative towns and something like this happens and it just blows the whole thing open. Right. Oh, and that's the thing. Like I grew up in a small town and like everybody knows everybody's business and there's so many rumors. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I was reading that like once once her mom and dad actually got together so like the the actual father of her was which was this Ken guy right he would be really violent and he would beat her and beat her mom and all kinds of things and it, it just that's bonkers to me like why would you leave your husband who seemed like a nice guy for this violent alcoholic like what is like what is that about well, yeah, and he would, Ken would actually rape Barbara up to, like, 10 times a day. Like, who, that, there's got to be some kind of, like, psychological issues there with, you know, that type of, of need for sex. Like, who needs it 10 times a day? Jesus. <laughs> I mean, apparently him. Like, mm-hmm. that's, he has issues. Yeah, yeah, that's bonkers. I don't know. I... I read too that, you know, it seemed like she was all, you know, a really pleasant little girl, but she would just go into these like uncontrollable, crazy rages when she was a kid. And, you know, she even sounds like she beats up boys when she's in school and she injured a teacher and that's just unreal. Like how, how does this kid who was otherwise like, you know, kind of people saying it was the perfect kid ends up being this crazy rageaholic essentially right well and I heard like when she um injured her teacher the teacher was actually supposed to be fighting back in self-defense is what they claim so when when she left school she left school when she was 15 years old she was 15 years old and had never learned how to read or write yeah I read that too and then she actually got a job in a clothing factory but then quit there 12 months later to start what she considered like her dream job, which was working at a butcher's. And she actually got promoted there like super freaking quick and ended up getting her like they gave her her own knife butcher set and everything. So she hung them above her bed where she always said would always be handy if I needed them. And she literally kept them there to the night of the murder. 
Isn't that crazy? Like if I, if I went on a date and went home with a guy and here was butcher knives hanging above his bed, I'd be like, all right, peace out. Nice to know you, Jose. See you later. Like, and right? probably lose that guy's number. Like, can you imagine? <laughs> That's like red flag number one. <laughs> red like, flag. Why that guy stayed? I'm just like, really? Mm-hmm. What was going through your head? Really? I don't know. Butcher knives above the bed? <laughs> Literally. Right? Yeah. Like, wild. Wild. So, you know, I I was just kind of reading more and more about this lady. And, and you know, the, the butcher stuff really stuck out to me that she really loved her job and was really passionate about it and very good at it and they said like the best butcher in in her part of Australia which to me was was bonkers like how how do you how do you love to cut up animals like what <laughs> so i was also reading into like her past relationship so her first relationship david saunders so they met when david was only 38 and I guess what she would do is like she would decorate the house like with animal skins and skulls and horns and like rusty animal traps and basically anything animal related or animal skin related. She was decorating the house with it like it was absolutely insane. And then after an argue argument they had, um, which she actually ended up hitting Saunders in the face with an iron before stabbing him in the abdomen with a pair of scissors. Okay, like, peace out, crazy town, you know, dead animals everywhere and, you know, rusty animal tracks and then stabbing a guy. Cool, you know, sweet. (laughs) Right? And so then after that, he kind of went into hiding where Knight actually tried to find him, but no one would tell her where he was. So she ended up getting, like, really upset. But several months later, Saunders actually returned to see his daughter and found that Knight had actually gone to the police. And told them she was afraid of him. And they issued her, um, apprehended a violence order against him. Even though he did nothing wrong, she was the one who attacked him. You know, I, I always wonder about that. Because, like, a lot of men won't come forward with domestic violence allegations. Because, you know, of, of being afraid or, or, you know, being embarrassed or, or what have you. And, you know, men can be victims of domestic violence just as much as women can be. And, and that's something that, you know, a lot of women will use to their advantage in these situations when they're the, you know, when they're the person committing these offenses is they're, they're saying, oh, you know, I was afraid of him and I was scared of him and this, that, and the other thing, when they're actually not the victim in this situation she was never the victim against these men she was always the aggressor always the instigator and you know her her husband um her first husband david kellett you know had had said that she strangled him on multiple occasions and he was afraid to do anything about it because he was scared that people would think he was less of a man and that she would kill him so he didn't say anything because he was afraid of her that's absolutely crazy to me. Why people stay in those relationships is like mind boggling. Like I know it's hard to leave them. Like I've been in a similar situation. So I know it's hard to leave a, leave somebody like that. But when it comes to your life, I feel like you really just need to rip the band-aid off. Well, and like, you know, her husband, I think about like her first husband, you know, he said that when she was very pregnant with their daughter she actually burned all his clothes and hit him in the head with a frying pan and he 
he left and he walked out of the house and he was treated for a skull fracture and she you know basically tricked him to coming back by using their kids against them she said you know if you if you want to see your kids you have to be with me and so he came back out of fear of not being able to see his children and her saying oh I'll behave I'll behave I'll behave which is awful like you know having having those things used against you is is really alarming and like you know it's it's one of those things to me that that just baffles me is is like how she got away with a lot of the stuff that she was doing wow yeah yeah how has to me the police should have been like oh okay like there's a pattern here yeah like what's going on absolutely and like when she had her first daughter um she got really violent and was actually diagnosed with like a form of postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis and she actually took her baby and put the baby in a stroller and was running all over town with this baby in a stroller and someone called the police on her because she was acting really erratically and she shoved her baby onto a railway line and left the baby there and this guy came and basically rescued the baby so it sounds like it was just a couple minutes before the train was due to come. And so this guy pulled the baby out and she actually attacked this guy and was going after him with an ax for saving her baby. And, you know, you think people would be like, Hey, maybe this lady shouldn't have her kid and maybe take that baby away and put her in, you know, a psychiatric care. And that didn't happen right away. It, took some time for them to put her into her first bout of psychiatric care Mm -hmm. who does that yeah it was it was really crazy and so you know after that her husband chose to have another child with her and like you know to me that seemed really bonkers like your wife is struggling with postpartum psychosis to the point where she almost murders your child and you're gonna have another baby with this woman what are you thinking they should just not have kids period Mm -mm. like no no so she ended up going back to work after she had her second daughter and she then injured herself and so she went off work for a bit and kind of got better they put her into the mental institution for a while and you know then she got out and started her her relationship with david saunders is is what happened and that's where she already had her two little girls right she had two little girls by this time and had a third daughter with david um and like you said you know she attacked him and it sounds like as far as i understand the whole house was just covered in these weird paraphernalias and these weird things and he ended up taking out a order of protection against her and leaving. And, you know, she went right back at it and said, no, he's the, he's the violent one. And so he got that protective order granted against him. So she looked like the victim and she ended up getting the kids. Wow. And then after that, she ended up with a guy that she worked with, another guy she worked with, which was like, didn't, didn't all these people work together? So he would have known the first two guys. And so he still was like, yeah. she really gets around, hey? Yeah, like, ooh, crazy town, hooray. And so they had a little boy together. And that's when she 
after that left for John Price. So John Price is kind of the subject of, of how we get here. And John Price is the fella that was, was killed. Um, so she, she killed him in, in the year 2000. And that's kind of how we get here. And so sounds like there was lots that led up to this. And I don't know what you had read that kind of got to this point, but it sounds like he involved a lot of people and involved the kids in this. Yeah, I I honestly feel really bad for this dude. Mm -hmm. He really picked a good one. Yeah, yeah. Like he ended up going to the police and getting a protection order against her for himself and his children and saying like maybe somebody should do something about her children because he was very scared she was going to hurt somebody because she was escalating these violent fits of rage she was you know videotaping the kids and yelling at them and screaming at them and doing all kinds of like just crazy shit and so he would get the kids out of the house when she'd start acting like this but people were starting to get tired of it people were like you can't keep sending your kids away like you need to do something yeah and then um realistically this isn't even that long ago because back in february of 2000 like if she had a series of assaults on on price with knight stabbing him in the chest in the chest and finally like he just kind of got fed up and he finally kicked her out yeah the night that it happened she bought some new lingerie she came over she was like hey baby you know let's make up you know and and threw this whole thing at her and and used every everything in the book every feminine wild that she could come up with to get back into bed with him and you know kind of what what happened and kind of everything it sounds like is they had a really bad fight and she she stabbed him. She stabbed him 37 times with a butcher knife while he was asleep. So he tried to get away from her and he actually managed to get out the front door and she dragged him back inside and let him bleed out. She after he bled out, she took his bank card and withdrew a thousand dollars from his bank account. It sounds like after he had died. So after she returned from the bank, because the video footage of the bank doesn't really show her covered in a lot of blood. She actually skinned him. She hung the skin from a meat hook and she decapitated him and started cooking parts of his body. Dude, she cooked, I believe it was uh, the buttocks area or the shoulder muscle. She carved those into steaks, threw them in the oven, had plates out with name cards of the the kid's name and had like the little steak out with a baked potato and everything ready for the kids to eat. And then she actually threw his head into a pot of stew where she had like cut up vegetables and everything like that cooking on the stove. So she just left it all took a bunch of sleeping pills and went upstairs to bed Yeah, and got woken up the next morning with the police in her house. And that's, that's bonkers. So 
how the police ended up there is kind of, I was curious, like, how did the police know that this happened? Like, did neighbors see blood? Did neighbors, you know, what happened? And it was, they actually called the police at work um, because John didn't show up to work. He didn't show up to work. And so work called the cops and then the neighbors called the cops and they tried to get a hold of him and they saw a pool of blood inside and they went in. And so they think that she had attempted to die by suicide. And that's kind of why she was upstairs and had taken all of these sleeping pills. They figure that she basically figured out that she maybe had some remorse or something. They don't really know, but she kind of maybe recanted. I don't know. She's never publicly said she was sorry. She's never publicly admitted any fault. She's just kind of said that, you know, I don't really feel bad about this. He deserved it, blah, blah, blah. That's why I put the kids, you know, names on these cards. And that's why I was setting out a feast for his family is because he didn't deserve any better than that. And that's just sad. Like, nobody should have to die that way. No, absolutely not. And like, you know, once she went to trial, she refused to accept responsibility for it, even though she she pled guilty. She didn't have any remorse. And the judge saw that. The judge looked at her background and her history. And he said, you know what? No, she doesn't deserve to be back in civilized society. She deserves to be incarcerated for the remainder of her life. So it's known as the harshest prison sentence possible in Australian history. She was the first woman ever to be sentenced to life in prison. Yeah, that's insane. And she got life in prison without the possibility of parole. Yeah. And then in 2006, she actually tried to appeal it saying that, oh, this is too, this is too severe of a punishment for what I did. Like, you guys should let me out. And they're like, uh, no, Catherine, you're fucking crazy. You can stay in there yeah. without parole for the rest of your life. Yeah, they they marked her file as never to be released. And, you know, when they went through why, they gave lots of testimony from her children, her ex-husbands, people that they knew, an ex-boyfriend, she killed his puppy. You know, those sorts of things. That's That's what, you know, people were saying about her, that, she planned this. She knew what she was doing. She didn't care that she wanted his children to suffer. She wanted people to suffer and she didn't care. I mean, thank God the kids didn't come home to that. Because could you imagine how traumatizing that would be for them? Oh, how, how traumatizing it was for anybody. Like there's several police officers that were involved in the case that had, you know, traumatic, traumatic PTSD they never returned to the job after that and you know they 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 said that was the most gruesome killing they had ever seen and some of those people had been on the job for years so i can only imagine how horrific it was and i'm thankful that her children her children and his children didn't see that and it's awful and you know i thought oh my goodness his children never get to say goodbye but the interesting thing was is i was reading about his funeral and she had butchered him with such precision that they were actually able to reattach his skin to his body and have an open casket and no one could tell that that's what happened to him are you serious absolutely because she was so good at what she did because she drained the blood from him he didn't like discolor nothing happened like they were able to have an open casket at his funeral because of how well she had butchered him essentially 
that's insane. I never even knew that part. Yeah, it's it's bonkers. Like, and wow, I was reading about that, and they said that that was you know something that they had never seen before because a lot of his body was still intact. There was a lot of stab wounds, but he was mostly intact other than being decapitated and and butchered but it was easy to put him back together because of her precision with her knife skills which is that's bonkers that's insane yeah man that would suck to clean up that mess after though oh (laughs) would not want to be a crime scene cleaner in this in this case oh my god no but i guess like when the cops originally walked in they didn't even realize what happened because they walked in and all they could smell was like food cooking and it smelled really good. And so the cop moved with his arm, what he thought was a curtain until he felt like his arm wet and he looked on his arm and there was a bunch of blood. That's when he realized that that indeed was not a curtain. That was John's flesh hanging on butcher hooks in the doorway. That is so, so gross. And like, holy cow, that is gross. And like, yikes on bikes on yikes. Mm. No, <sighs> that's so weird. Like, and, and, you know, there's so much about this that hit the media just because of, of how it happened and when it happened and, and just how sensational the whole thing was. And it's, uh, it's pretty intense, like just everything that's out there, you know, from her dark past, her failed relationships, her, her childhood you know, the the job that she carried, the domestic violence history in her past, her passion for dead animals, all of it. Like it's it's very intense just to read all of it. And and the cannibalism aspect to me was just mind boggling. I can't imagine wanting to consume another human being's flesh. Mm. It just doesn't sound appealing at all whatsoever. <laughs> no, no. So, you know, I, I understand that she's, she's still alive. She is still incarcerated. She's living her days at a women's penitentiary in Australia, you know, kind of living her life, doing, you know, whatever. And the children that have been involved in all of this, her children and his children have said that this has forever changed their lives. They've all, most of them have either changed their names or changed their identities to avoid being identified as, you know, part of this because it's it's made life pretty insufferable for for them well i don't blame them having to retell that story the rest of your life because of your last name yeah i totally understand why they would change the name i would too constantly people asking you about it same i would i would feel the same way and it's it's really a sad situation and i really feel for her family and i feel for her kids and i feel for his family and his kids and, you know, the hell that they had to go through in order for all of this to happen. And and she has never publicly apologized to anyone about it and says she has no remorse. She doesn't feel bad about what she did because she said he had to come in. Imagine having a spouse like that. Like, could you imagine? I don't know. Like, that, that, that already makes me cringe. Somebody, they say that she has borderline personality disorder, but that's not an excuse. You know, if you're, if you know that you're mentally unwell, seek some treatment. Yeah. Exactly. She should have honestly seek treatment a long time ago when she was a kid. Everything led up to it. Like literally everything she did was a sign leading up to her being a psychopath. 
absolutely. And and I agree totally. I I read so much about this woman and about her life and about her history and, and about her past. And after her first daughter was born and she left that baby on the tracks, that should have been your beacon, your beacon of something's not right here. Let's get some help. But instead, she just continued to spiral and spiral and spiral. And her children are lucky they're not dead at her hand, you know, really. Yeah. No, absolutely. Bonkers. And that was the story of Catherine Knight. Yeah, the story of Catherine Knight. Thank you for listening to Canadian Crime Chicks. Follow at Canadian Crime Chicks on Instagram to hear about future episodes. If you have a crime you want to hear about or a crime you want to talk about, email CanadianCrimeChicks at gmail.com. Music is Anxiety by Kai Angle. New episodes released Saturdays.